I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Apologies accepted again. I am Theo, one of your hosts. I'm Juliet, the other host. And we are two members of the general public who care deeply and passionately about accepting or declining apologies. public apologies. <laughs> because we've had a lot of really bad apologies given to us, as I'm sure everyone has. And I hold a grudge. <laughs> I I am with you. I as someone who has apologized to you, I'm sure for many things, <laughs> many times. Think so. I don't think you've needed to, but, but oh, that's because I mean, we've known each other for so long. So uh, I think it, you know we, you forgive a lot. And I was going to say, like in some of the podcasts, or at least podcast number one, um, there was one thing you said that pulled me up short, and I don't remember what it was, and I was going to call you on it. I would have called you on it if you hadn't been such a good friend. Actually, I know what it was. It was like you were talking about these friends you had that were Trump people, and mm-hmm. I was like, how can you possibly have friends that are Trump people? But but I just like let it go, because I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's Theo. <gasps> it's fine. Oh, well, okay, yes. Yeah, so they're not friends now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and years ago, um, and probably the thing that I didn't uh, make clear was, it was uh, during the primary period, so I don't even know if they're uh-huh. Trump friends now. Uh, so right, right, right. If they're Trump supporters Trump now, um, but yeah, that that very quickly became a friendship that was <sighs> easy to let acquaintanceship really that was easy to let go. Right. Because how? Well, the fact that you have people over to your house. I mean, to I me, have relatives. Friends, I'm looking like, at divorcing. Lifelong friends, because yeah, oh god, yeah. Totally. Okay, so um, we won't talk about Trump, but what will we talk about today? Well, today, uh, weirdly, although we are not speaking about Trump, we are speaking about politics. Today's discussion centers around the state of California's apology to uh, Chinese Americans for the discrimination they faced from the uh, mid to late 1800s forward into the 1940s, the legal discrimination uh, and apology for the laws that were actively on the book that disenfranchised uh, Chinese Americans. So how did this come about? Were the Chinese people always discriminated against? Were they always in the U.S. in large numbers? Or did they come here for a particular reason? Or how did that happen? You know, so I think the short answer to that is gold. Gold money. Ah, Right? Right. So uh, we had this thing in California called the Gold Rush, where gold was discovered in 1848. Um, Is it Sutter's Mill? 
I don't know. But why is it the 49ers if gold was discovered in 1848? Because it took almost a year for the news to reach the East Coast. I made that up, but it sounds pretty logical to me. I believe you. (laughs) I totally believe you. There's probably a reason. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't bother to look it up. But, you know, maybe I'll do it later and we can talk about it next week. (laughs) Was it because California was the 49th state? Okay. Was it? No, it would be 48, because we're the lower 48. Oh, God, I'm so dumb. <laughs> I was good. I was ready to believe you. I was quite sure, you know, there's no Alaska. That's good. <laughs> right, totally. But, yeah, they call us the lower 48 because there's 48. There's yeah, 48 so states I'm down dumb. here. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. And oh, well. Hi, everybody. This is who you're learning from. So, yes. (laughs) Okay, so there was the California gold rush, and Oh, that reminds me, not to interrupt you, but totally to interrupt you. I wanted to apologize for all the historians out there who are listening to us, because we are taking our information from online, mostly, and um, we may misstate some of this stuff, or be flat out wrong, but um, we're doing our best. That's the whole fun of this, is to, like, make historians (laughs) angry. Um, and uh, I bet some of this was taught in high school in California for California history, but um, I did not go to high school in California. Any other did you? No. So we don't know. We, I do not know. Um, but what I do know is that in 1848, gold was discovered somewhere in Northern California. I'm pretty sure it was Northern California. And, um, and there was this mad dash for riches in the West. And... A lot of companies purchased a lot of land for gold mining slash prospecting, and you needed labor. So there weren't really enough able bodies that wanted to jump into the California mountains and dig and dig and dig for months on end. So it was opened up to immigration, and that's where the Chinese came in. So... Um, there was. I understand that a lot of the people um, in the U.S. at the time assumed that the people coming from China were brought here for slavery, and they actually borrowed a lot of money from people in China who were probably shameless hucksters, and then they'd have to repay that money um, when they got jobs in the U.S. So um, that was probably one misunderstanding that led to discrimination against Chinese in the long run. Um, yes. And there was something else that was happening as well. There were American missionary, Christian missionaries in China who were writing letters back to the states from China about Chinese and the Chinese culture. And there uh-huh. was a lot of misinformation and a lot of sensa- sensationalization. What's that word? Yeah, that's right. This sounds so wrong. To, I have to tell you about my glitch in the matrix moment, which we'll, we'll get into as we move through this. But um, so one of the things that missionaries in China made note of was that the Chinese would sell their women and daughters into sex work or domestic work when faced with uh, economic hardships that this wow. was a I didn't know that. 
comment. Well, I mean, so again, this isn't me saying it. This is me quoting sure, sure. the uh, the missionaries. And they stoked this phenomenon, which was called yellow peril. And even at the time, it was called the yellow peril, right? And this I always was, thought the yellow peril referred to the Japanese. Maybe I'm wrong all this time. Maybe I, it was both. Who knows? It, I mean, I'm going to say probably both. I thought it was both. World War II and the Japanese. But I could, uh, I could look that up while you talk. Okay, uh, do we'll that. see how much noise it makes. Because... I took that straight from Wikipedia, which is never wrong. <laughs> um, okay, so... Okay, it says the yellow peril refers to Asians, in particular the Chinese. So you're right. Well, Wikipedia was right this one instance, because yeah. I would have said the exact same thing. And who knows, maybe, this was, maybe that was a term that uh, existed pre-World War II, but... Uh, but Spiked back into popular consciousness during World War II, mm -hmm. which is how you and I maybe are familiar with the term. Um, so, uh, so there was anti-Chinese sentiment already brewing in the U.S. Uh, in certain Christian communities, thanks to these missionaries who were writing letters back home about their hard work converting the heathens, the Chinese heathens, to, to Christianity. So then right. you have the Chinese coming over to the States. Um, why did they leave China? It was a period that was very difficult to be a working poor person in China. So mm -hmm. a lot of people, just like, just like every immigrant, immigrant group that's come to the U.S., Things in the home country weren't great, so uh, let's try our hand in America. And uh, there was this idea that the it would be like a temporary move, right? So the, oh, the okay. intention for Americans, for the American government, was never that there was going to be this massive influx of Chinese residents. It was that we're going to get some bodies here that are going to work for a few years, and then they're going to go back to China, right? Um, right. And, of right. course, that's not what well, happened. Uh, right. Yeah. No, go ahead. The end. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see here. So there was a lot of... Um, animus towards Chinese workers. Part well, they of also hired prostitutes or sex workers or whatever. Prostitution was considered problematic at the time. So I think that contributed to the anti-Chinese sentiment in the U.S. Um, plus the stories of the Chinese men in the U.S. smoking opium and gambling, which were frowned upon at the time. I, um, Unlike today, <laughs> the the number of Chinese women to Chinese men in the states is terrifying. If I was a Chinese woman in America, really? Oh, um, yeah. So there. Uh, okay, so we're gonna move straight into the discrimination, uh, okay. the legal discrimination, right? Uh huh. So, um, so. It was harder for Chinese women to get into the States. And part of that was, I mean, it was intentional, right? Mm -hmm. um, because they thought they would be prostitutes. Well, that, but also they would have children. 
And when they uh, have children, those children become American citizens because of the 14th right. Amendment. So what do you right. do with a bunch of now suddenly Chinese Americans who were going to bring their foreign ways into American culture? It was this fear of the other that we don't want Chinese children born into the states as American citizens because they will normalize Chinese culture and it'll destroy white culture. Right. Um, right. And so, uh, so yeah. And then the prostitution simply, there were so few available jobs for women and mm. there were so many Chinese men. And mm. if you needed to earn money to send back home, or you were married to somebody who decided you were a good uh, source of revenue, you might find yourself pimped out whether you wanted to or not, wow. right? Yeah. So, uh, so there were a lot of conditions, uh, a lot. So there were, there were a couple of conditions set up that made it likely that a Chinese woman may have to resort to sex work or may voluntarily mm -hmm. decide to take on sex work. Uh, but Chinese women certainly had the the reputation for uh, sex workers so much mm -hmm. so that the American Medical Association put out a statement um, that I didn't flag in my notes. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see here. So the American Medical Association believed that Chinese immigrants carried distinct germs to which they were immune, but from which whites would die if exposed. That's a direct quote. Right. This fear right. became concentrated on Chinese women because some white Americans believed that germs and disease could most easily be transmitted to white men through the labor of Chinese sex workers. Um, so a lot, a lot there, right? Um, yeah. and, and so in what ways were Chinese people discriminated against legally? <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't allowed to become citizens. Right. For the first thing. Isn't that so, crazy? <laughs> I feel like I'm in school and the teacher's asking me a question. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was your co-host yeah, recognizing he's they, been talking a lot. <laughs> People might want to hear you. Right? <laughs> but they weren't allowed to become citizens. Even, you know, they weren't allowed to naturalize. So no matter how long they were in the U.S., they couldn't become American citizens. Um, and... There was something about, I thought the 14th Amendment didn't apply to the Chinese people, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't think I read that anywhere. I think I just assumed that. So, well, um, and, could be wrong. Uh, so nobody wanted it to, and they made sure that it couldn't and, and didn't, which is part of what the apology was by the state of California. Right. So other things that legally Chinese people were not allowed to do aside from becoming citizens, they were not allowed to own land or property. They were prevented from marrying white people. Right. They were not allowed to testify in court against white people. Oh they paid God. more in taxes 
and their children were legally denied access to public education, public schools. Holy shit. That's terrible. Yeah. We're a terrible country. Oh, I mean, we're the best country. (laughs) We're the best country. You know what, though? That reminded me. When I bought my first house in San Francisco, it was out in the Sunset, which is the part that's the suburby part of San Francisco. It's out near the ocean, and it's um, little houses with yards and stuff, which you can't get anywhere else in San Francisco. And at the time, it was relatively inexpensive. And um, anyway, so uh, we bought a house there. In the... um, the contract, it still had on the books that you could not sell the land to Chinese people. You're kidding. It totally did. It wasn't enforced, obviously, because it's it, at the time it was a lot of Chinese people living out there, and I think it still is. Um, but it was still like on, literally on the paperwork that we had to sign. It I was crazy. could not be more surprised by that. Because how hard it's is true. it just to wipe that out? To take that stuff off, right? I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't. I never asked why. Why couldn't we just take it out? But it's something to do with the law. Uh, no. I mean, uh, I I got now. I want to know all about that. That's all I know about that. <laughs> it was in the paperwork that we signed, and we felt bad about it, but we knew that it wasn't enforced, so we signed it. Um, and then we sold the house to Chinese people. <laughs> Good. You should have. <laughs> I hope they turned it so, into a restaurant. I wish restaurant. I still had that house, though. It would be nice to have a yard for the dog. But anyway, I love my condo. We'll talk about that some other time. Okay, I can't. So, but anyway, so meanwhile, um, slavery was banned in 1865 via the 13th Amendment, yay. And then um, in 1868, the Burlingame Treaty was signed, which established friendly relations between the U.S. and China and granted China most favored nation status regarding trade, which it still has. So um, what this treaty did was lifted all restrictions regarding uh, immigration to the U.S. from China and caused a whole lot of people from China to come to the U.S., which ensured a lot of cheap labor. But um, people, as you said, uh, continued to have anti-Chinese sentiment um, due to the ongoing slavery despite the law and prostitution um, or sex work, as we call it today, um, us enlightened people. Um, but Chinese women became more feared, and um, white Americans, as you said, were afraid that Chinese Chinese men who practiced non-monogamy and, and um, hired sex workers could become citizens and make that a way of American life. So, um, you know, as, as today with many cultures, you see the white people afraid that uh, another culture is going to come in and change their pristine white way of life. Um, and I read an article in the Qualitative Sociology Review by a dude called Jack Fong that said, um, and this was written in the context of 9-11, that uh, he said that when times are good, racial relations are less strained, which we've noticed in the 80s and 90s when things were less stressful than they are now, but or maybe even in the two th- early 2000s. But um, as things get more and more stressful, as they are now, probably the most stressful time I've ever seen in my 50-some years, um, he said, crisis dramatically changes social relationships and interaction patterns with a, in a multicultural context. American multiculturalism is still full of unresolved ethnic and racial symbolisms that hark back to 19th century attempts by the white power structure to idealize culturally and phenotypically the constitution of an ideal American. So you see today, um, people cracking down on people who don't look white. And that's partly because um, times are tough. Or, you know, is it the other way around? Who can say? Not me. I'm not a sociologist. I sure, sure you do. 
Why not? <laughs> Sociology is so one of those degrees anybody think, can claim. Yeah, right. <laughs> he just makes stuff up, just like psychology. Anyway, um, I can say that because I majored in psychology, but I had a, I have a master's degree in psychology. But um, anyway, yes. So things are tough now if you don't look white. And that's because the economy is iffy and just uh, politically culture is, is uh, very difficult for anyone who isn't white. Yeah, uh, today and back in the day. I mean, it's tough today, of course. And I I mean, I say that as a as a white person who uh, I think my family bloodline is vanilla and snow. So yeah, like we couldn't. I couldn't be more stereotypically uh, (laughs) white, right? Um, So much so that when I say things that are. not Trumpian Republican talking points. Mm-hmm. Younger people. Uh, this happened a lot in college. Like I, I went mm-hmm. to uh, university very late in life uh, because I was super lazy, and mm-hmm. um, I would say things in class, and people would look at me because they weren't expecting that viewpoint to be expressed. Oh, right? from an older white man. Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would do a lot of things like, hi, I'm gay. And my viewpoint, right, <laughs> just like announcing to the whole class. You know, um, I got really excited about my university days and I forgot what my point was going to be. But it was going to be killer. Oh, we were just talking about how hard it is to be to not be white these days. But you were saying it was hard back in the day as well. Oh, right. Yeah. So so it is absolutely hard. Um to, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a person of color in this country. Um, that said, the back in the day, I might as well just chop this whole bit out because I'm working my way into so many tweets that'll be coming my way. So many. It'll be... Okay. Uh, rainbow say, you support. said that said, and I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, I could feel the holes uh-oh. getting deeper and deeper. But, but my, the, the point I'm going to make is, um, and then we'll have to clean it up. So I'll say it, and then we'll clean it up. That back in the day, okay. they legislated against people of color, right? Jim Crow. Today, arguably, yes. it would be harder to legislate. Uh, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but it wouldn't, it's... It just was more blatant then. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, it was more legal. <laughs> but, uh, more legal, more widely accepted, more more considered rights, and not questioned. So, uh, I hope that's the case. That it's not considered right today. Um, I just don't know. I mean, I live in San Francisco, which is basically its own little bubble, so I don't see. But I hear you know horror stories from people who live like in Ohio or wherever that, that not only that people are walking around not wearing masks, which I'm like hello, but that they're you know confronting people who are not white as you know go back to wherever you came from or whatever, and it's just appalling. It's it's totally appalling, and my. Let me clear my voice. Maybe I... Me, 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 me. Perfect. (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry, Brent. Uh, He needs work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> Poor guy. Wow, like he's heard six yeah, hours of us. He's working so hard for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my family lives in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And it is a very different culture there. Um, and there are times when the things that they say mm. shock me because they mm. don't see how how inadvertently racist they are. They don't mm-hmm. see how, I don't want to say wrong. I mean, if, we, if they're wrong, but when people hold those viewpoints, if we're getting into uh, race and states' rights, like what, yeah. what could go wrong with this conversation? Nothing. Oh, nothing. Nothing It'll be at fine. all. Right. Yeah. This is the easiest conversation. So in 1875. We'll <laughs> right. Please. Let's go. Let's go back. But did you know, according to the people in the town that my family lives in, I heard this, and I won't say that my family believes it. They found it to be an interesting, mm-hmm. um, an interesting thought. The shortage of toilet paper due to from the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Is a Chinese plot. What? The Chinese put coronavirus in toilet paper and then created a panic about toilet paper so that Americans would buy up all the COVID-19 toilet paper and infect ourselves. That's insane. Uh Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yep. Now. My God. Again. Was is it just one guy in town that said that while in line at the grocery store getting his eggs, right, at, and he's right. eighty-five or whatever? Probably. Or is it everyone in town? Yeah. And is everybody in town still, laughing? Maybe. I mean, what for? What reason would anyone do that? I mean, if you even think about it, it's just nuts. It's toilet paper's not made in China. <laughs> is, is the other thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. Now, I did Google that. <laughs> you must have, because I don't know where toilet paper is made. I have no idea. But even if it was made in China, I mean, what the hell? So, you know. Oh, totally, right? I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. But so that fear of the other, xenophobia, all that kind of stuff yeah. comes into play. Um, and the nation is, uh, in going back to the 1800s, um, is entering the uh, civil war. It is going through a a crisis of conscience and trying to figure out who does it want to be when it grows up. So there are these sensitivities around slavery that aren't the sensitivities that we would have today about it. I think more more to the point the. Uh, Chinese people that were coming over and working in the gold mines were, as you mentioned, largely seen as slaves. And really, they were more indentured servants. But there there was a lot of um, animosity against the Chinese because they were going to be, for white Americans, the Chinese laborers were the new form of slavery that was going to rip the country apart even further. And so mm-hmm. let's just get rid of the Chinese people uh, so that way we don't have to deal with slavery again. Right. Right. Well, I mean, apparently that didn't work. 
So there, there are. So I looked it up, and there are potentially more than four hundred thousand people living in slavery today in the United States. What? And by that, it means uh, forced or state-imposed labor, sexual servitude, or forced marriage. And a third of those people come to the U.S. via forced marriage. And globally, there are forty million people enslaved. And that includes prison slavery, which may be controversial, but, um, but at most prisons, inmates can be forced to work under threat of punishment as severe as solitary confinement, I read. And um, if, if they are paid, they are paid like two cents an hour or something like that, um, and they have to work in fields or manufacturing or kitchens, which are difficult jobs. Um, now, a lot of people appreciate in, in jail, appreciate having something to do other than you know sitting in their jail cell and whatever happens in jail, I don't know. Um, I'll but tell you. I don't, I, I think that, <laughs> I think that people should be paid fairly and given the, the option to work um, if they want to. And the thing is that the 13th Amendment, which abolishes slavery, allows for this. There is a clause in it that says something like, um, you know, we outlaw slavery except um, if you've been judged guilty of a crime and you're in prison. So and and not only that, but because of the way the law works, because it, you're in prison, it, you're not you don't really have a corporate relationship with the person employing you or the entity employing you, which means that it doesn't have to comply with modern labor standards. So they can work you as much as they want for as long as they want. They don't have to give you breaks or lunch or any of those things. I'm assuming, um, or obviously pay you fairly or even um, market rates. There's so. I'm sure there's some element of human rights. Uh, that that is involved with how long a person can work without like a restroom break or whatever but i'm sure uh -huh. that the the human rights uh weight would be what am i trying to say other than like i wouldn't like it and mm -hmm. i'm sure it's it's terrible but i'll bet it meets the minimum criteria of what you can get away with with a human being I don't know. I really don't know. And and that's you know there was a there's a film um, called uh, something about Angola that I wanted to watch a documentary that um, if I had had time or made the time I would have watched um, so that I could speak to this more clearly. But um, since we weren't talking about slavery in particular, I did not watch the documentary. Um, but maybe we should talk about slavery in an upcoming episode. We've got the perfect entree into that because yeah. part of what this episode is looking at for me is um, a state's authority over its people, right? And yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and can a state actually issue an apology? But. Uh, Jim Crow. They've apologized for Jim Crow, and and I think these prisoner um, uh, laws or this this enforced prison slavery or this, uh, this prison slavery, we'll just call it, it, exists because these laws in prisons themselves stem from a time when white people were trying to control black people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so those yeah. laws we're never largely going to apply to white people. Yeah. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, which, which I probably would need many weeks to research in order to get to a point where I could speak comfortably. I think I'd have to take a college course on slavery and, moly, and prisons yes. and all of that before I could even begin to talk about um, anything of that sort. So, but 
we probably do it anyway. Well, why not? We'll march bravely <laughs> into the ford. We'll forge uh, ahead. We'll march bravely into the breach. That's it. Yeah. Once more. <laughs> right. So in 1875, the Page Act was passed, which was the first U.S. law, I believe, against immigration, um, which prohibited um, unfree laborers and women to come to the U.S. for immoral purposes, but was enforced primarily against the Chinese, because, of course, at the time, Chinese were the ones who uh, America thought were the unfree laborers and women used for immoral purposes. So... Um, that happened. And then in 1880, the Angel Treaty revised the Burlingame Treaty and allowed the U.S. to suspend Chinese immigration. So now we're trying to prevent Chinese from coming into the U.S. at all. Um, and those are just the first couple of acts that happened after, after slavery was um, banned. And then we get to the Chinese Exclusion Act, which is what uh, sort of piqued my interest in this topic at all. Uh, and that became law in 1882, and it was signed by the um, everybody's favorite president, Chester Arthur. Who, who I know nothing about. Was my glitch in the <laughs> matrix. So when I tripped really? over that, yeah. So I'm doing my research. I've got my notes together and I'm looking and I see the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. And my brain, mm -hmm. you know, I've already gone through the Page Act and looked at some of the, oh, the gold rush and the Chinese came over. And then President Arthur. And I was like, what the fuck? There's no <laughs> President Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> and for five seconds, I was afraid that I had woken up in an alternate reality. An alternate universe. Yeah. Like, did the like Civil the War happen? Bears Where's thing. Lincoln? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, there was a Chester Arthur, and I think he was probably one of the worst presidents, as, as I recall, and being on a list of the worst presidents, but I couldn't tell you why, except for him well, Probably because he signed the Chinese um, exclusion. Yeah, this is a big one. So, And it prohibited all immigration of Chinese laborers, and it is the first and only law so far to prohibit all members of a specific ethnic or national group from coming to the U.S. And oh, it was signed well. in 1882 and intended the last 10 years, but it was renewed um, via the Geary Act, and we have a street in San Francisco called Geary Street, which is probably named after that dude. So we need to rename it. Um, and it was made permanent in 1902. And what were you going to say? Oh, um, you know, so good question. I was going to say that a law is different from a, uh, a presidential ban. And so mm -hmm. while we, uh, I mean, I guess the Muslim ban isn't a racial ban. There's a ban? Well, so isn't there a ban against uh, uh, Muslims coming into the U.S.? Is there? I wouldn't be surprised. Let me, let yeah, me, let I me mean, Google that. Isn't this sad that there's been so many horrible things that I'm unsure if there is a Muslim ban? There Still is enacted? a Muslim ban. It says, President Donald Trump in 2017 signed an executive order that banned foreign nationals from seven predominantly Muslim countries from visiting the country for 90 days, suspended entry to the country of all Syrian refugees indefinitely, and prohibited any other refugees from coming into the country for 120 days. What? Um, there's a whole lot of other stuff as time passes and this progresses and I don't know what the latest uh, the Ninth Circuit Court upho upheld a block on the Muslim ban later that year but the Supreme Court let it go into effect while it reviewed it and then the federal court blocked it 
I know. Uh, the court rejected the ban. Muslim ban to go to Supreme Court, Second Circuit Court. Supreme Court hears arguments, upholds Trump's Muslim ban. Yeah, that was the real kicker I there. I missed the whole thing. It's been um, through the court system, but eventually was was deemed legitimate. And what that effectively means, I don't know. Well, I mean, I know what it means that, it, that it's legitimate, but what how the band's functioning like can they just say to any any self-declared muslim sorry you can't come into the country i oh, get there's specific news. countries good news uh, monday february 10th 2020 um, as part of a settlement agreement in a civil rights lawsuit the aclu sued them um, challenging the trump administration's ban on refugees the federal government will now prioritize the processing of dozens of refugee cases affecting hundreds of people in the united states and abroad so there were two lawsuits that were consolidated, um, challenging the Muslim ban, and now there was a settlement, so that is no longer a ban, apparently, thank God. But that is just new as of this year. It's just, I mean, what a shitty country we live in. It's just, I just say every day. Every day it doesn't it's get something any better. New. It seemed like during Obama that things might be getting better, or it, at least... It felt that way. Yeah. But now it's it's so much worse than it's ever been. It's scary how bad it's gotten and how quickly bad it's gotten. And the remedy is, you know, voting, of course. Um, right. And we'll see what happens. I can't yeah, even imagine. Fingers crossed. Oh, my God. I, I don't know. It's like in this town where I am right now in Arizona, the border patrol is here and um, they're based here for the border is only like 40 miles away. And this is the closest town um, to the border. So they're here in the hundreds and it's just like they're they think they own the place. They they drive around like, you know, just completely ignoring all laws. And, you know, they just they're just awful, awful. They they you know, they. I can't even say how awful they are, <laughs> but it's like, I'm afraid to go outside. They're so bad and I'm white and I'm clearly white. So it must be even worse if you're not. I just can't even imagine. It It is so, I mean. And this town is largely Hispanic. So I, I don't know how they take it. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I just, I don't even know. I honestly, I don't. Um, I think we've all been the other at some point for a few moments, right? Yeah. You've been right. the only woman in a room. I've been the oh, only sure. gay person, say, in a in a very Christian setting where I knew it would sure. you know, be uncomfortable for me if people knew. Um, but we always had being white going for us. Well, I just have to say that. So, and, you know, it's never been, we've never been, well, when I lived in Malaysia, I was a minority, but still it, it was different because I was white and being white still in, in Malaysia, you know, having been a former colonial country, Trump's being Malaysian in some senses. But, um, but yeah, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it comes with some, uh, obviously it comes with privilege, but also those moments are temporary. We don't live in a right. society, you know, I can go away and get yes. away from that. You can walk yes. into a different room and maybe there'll be more women, women there, there or you can leave. <laughs> right. right. You can go get everybody coffee. <laughs> Shut up. You're mean. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, you know, this this clearly is a, a subject that we don't know 
anything about anything about and and, and really want to be allies and supportive. Yeah. And so we're we're learning. Yeah. Yes. And there and there's a lot to learn. And I realize that that our pain is not even a pain. You know, that's, right. you know, right. it's a privilege to, oh, I have to learn about this. I, I do understand right. that. Um, I took, and I won't, not here, but I took this amazing class called uh, Queer Literature and Film, uh, Black Queer Literature and Film. And I was cool. the, probably out of 30 people, four of us were white. And I was certainly wow. the only person who was my age, other than the professor, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. who was a trans man, uh, who, who just phenomenal. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll save it, but, but uh, some of what I learned about being an ally uh, was shocking to me. And, and I learned that I've got a lot to learn. For instance, the thing that, that really struck me if you're walking down the street with your friend who is a person of color and a police officer mm-hmm. stops you, and let's say you walk down that mm-hmm. street every day and you see the same cop every day, mm-hmm. and this time the cop stops you, and whatever random question they ask, I definitely was the sort of person who would have said to the police officer, why did you stop us? What What's up? You see me every yeah. day. You know who yeah, I yeah. am. You're stopping yeah, yeah. me today because I'm with Hillary, right? And uh-huh. never realizing that my championing, you know, Hillary and being all self-righteous it puts Hillary in danger. In a difficult position, yeah. Yeah. It never would have occurred to me. I would have thought, like, I'm yeah. standing up for righteousness. And instead right. what I learned is, no, you're actually putting somebody in danger and let them take the lead. Uh, yeah, so that's good advice. So yeah. very difficult um, conversation to be having for two yeah. white people who who come from privilege. Although I don't think either of us would be like, "Oh my God, we're so privileged." But yes, for sure. So being a a person of Latin descent, being a Latinx um, in a town where ICE is the controlling governing body, essentially. Would it's be terrifying. terrifying, yeah. In, in this climate, because you you typically count on the law, and we'll get back to Chinese people and the law. Um, but I, this might feel tangential, but but it's not. You you look to the law to save you, to support you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and when the mechanization of the law is set up against you, you don't have any hope. All you can do is is comfort yourself with the fact that you know that you're right, and yeah. but that's small comfort when you're being forced out of the country and deported or separated from your children or, I mean, geez. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, no. No, uh, and so. So. A couple of senators in California in the early 2000s felt all of this. They were descendants of Chinese Americans who had been legally mistreated 
by the U.S. government and by our legal system. And I've skipped over a bunch of history. Um, maybe, maybe we pull this moment out, and uh, because we just hit 1882. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's. Do you want to delete this part and then start again in whenever? Because um, the next thing I had was 1943. Yeah, let, let's do that because I, I recognize that, like, I just started talking about the apology and, and there's okay. still some more stuff in there. Okay, so. I, I got to wait, I got to plug my computer in. Oh, you're good. I'll, I'll um, fill the void with some vowels. Okay and consonants um yeah so okay. we we'd hit 1882 with the chinese exclusion act there's a thing that happened in chinatown in la that i'd like to to mention oh really when was that uh it was 1871 so theo what happened in 1871 in los angeles so i love being from LA and people criticize Los Angeles for having no culture or they used to, that was a big joke. Where's the culture in LA? It's in the yeah. yogurt. Ah, well, bitches, <laughs> we're home to the largest public lynching in American history. Oh my God. So that's not really culture, but there you go. Claim to fame. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> you got to brag about what you have. That's horrifying. I'm just, oh my God! Who got listen, lynched? It's actually good. No, it's not. It's terrible. It's it, it's horrifying. <laughs> so yes, in 1871, in downtown Los Angeles, the beginning of our Chinatown was a district on the edge of town. 200 Chinese people lived there, and the women that lived in town were. Uh, I don't know if they were all sex workers, but essentially they were all sex workers. And when the when a woman would run away, the LAPD would catch her and bring her back mm. and get paid by the local mm. community for the return mm. of their woman. Great. It's working along beautifully. It's a nice little system. Everybody's happy. <laughs> and on October 24th... Um, a police officer inadvertently was hurt when he walked between two feuding Chinese factions. So there were two mm -hmm. groups of guys who were both claiming ownership of one of the sex workers, and they were fighting with each other. The cop came walking by, he got hurt, and he blew his whistle for reinforcements, and suddenly you had the population of Los Angeles surrounding this uh, community of Chinese workers. Hmm. Fights break out. There was murdering. There were 17 to 20 Chinese people who were killed and hung in public. Mm. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. And so... And so, and so that. But but I bring that up to highlight just the the it's kind of a case in point, an example of the 
willingness to believe from white America that right. Chinese people were definitely out to harm us, were definitely out to harm our way of life, and that when the law uh, allowed the hostility of white Angelinos, and, and there were a number of Latinos as well, as well uh, in this mob, so 500 people uh, executed 20 people and then hung them up as a Jeez. sign to other Chinese people, don't fuck with us. My grandfather used to do that with snakes. He would hang them up? He would kill a snake and then hang it from a tree to warn the other snakes, he said. Did the other snakes <laughs> listen? Crazy. <laughs> well, I didn't really see any snakes when he wasn't around, so I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> anyway, not to trivialize the horror of what you just said. Oh, I'm wondering, well, it was your granddad German? Is that like some folk custom thing? He was, was he Irish. French? And oh. there weren't any snakes in Ireland. So maybe that's how they got rid of them. Oh, wasn't it... Uh... Oh, my God. It's St. Patrick. I can't believe Saint I was Patrick. going to say, like, who's the patron saint of Ireland? I'm only half Irish. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's an amusing story about my childhood. It's, it's a great story about your childhood. I need to know more now. <laughs> oh, my grandfather was crazy, but we won't get into that. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened in 1943. <laughs> So good news for everyone. The Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed in 1943 because China was an ally of the U.S. in World War II, and I guess we had to make them happy or we had to make um, improve morale for people who were um, involved in the war. So the Magnuson Act allowed Chinese people in the U.S. to become naturalized citizens and allowed for the immigration of a whole 105 Chinese people per year. So, but still, they couldn't. Um, Non-whites couldn't marry whites, and discrimination was still widespread, um, and it still is widespread today, unfortunately. Um, did you have anything to say about the Magnuson Act? No, no, okay. I didn't include. So then I was going to go on notes. and say that in 1965, the Immigration and Nationality Act was um, was passed, which allowed large-scale immigration to occur. Um, I think there was a limit of 170,000 immigrants from um, outside the Western Hemisphere and uh, a maximum of 20,000 from any one country. So that's more immigrants, I think, than were legally permitted um, during the previous several decades. Um, but uh, they were permitted to come in based on skill and the need for political asylum. So it's still just any old person couldn't come just because they wanted to. So um, the uh, Immigration Act of 1990 established a bigger worldwide limit on um, visas, uh, family-based, employment-based, and diversity-based immigrant visas. So right now, um, as of 2018 at least, the most People, the most immigrants to the U.S. Um, come from Mexico, and number two is India, and number three is China. So we still have a bunch of Chinese people wanting to come to the U.S. I'm not sure why, uh, especially now. It is a terrible time to be in the U.S. Um, if anyone is wanting to be in the U.S. right now, I would tell them. Unless it's worse, stay where you are. Um, and there are plenty of places where it's still worse. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it's hard to, hard to imagine um, living in a place that's worse than the U.S., but there certainly are plenty. So, 
fortunately we don't um we don't have to experience that at least yet right yeah it's yeah yeah we're hoping for a good election and that uh, tons and tons of people turn up to vote and that it makes such a huge um there's such a huge victory for uh whoever the guy is running as a democrat that trump i don't even care that uh trump loses and cannot contest or pretend that something is well he will but hopefully he won't be able to feasibly so. uh, totally right it's it's gonna take and this is this is just the shame of it. It's going to take such a decisive victory. Yeah. And what yeah. is so frustrating in all of that is that there's still a third of the country that will vote for Trump. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. I don't. Yeah, it's. There was somebody who said that. America is learning the lesson that Germany learned, which is one third of the country will watch mm. while another third of the country murders the other third of a country. And Yeah, I read that somewhere. That's so horrifying, but it's true. It feels Apparently. it. It totally yeah. feels it. Um, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Is this third? Are they all psychopaths or what are they? I mean, sure. A lot of people are just plain stupid. But that can't account for everyone. It's that, I mean, I don't know, right? There's fear (laughs) in people. So the idea that somebody can come along and and tell you what to do, that relieves the burden, takes away some of the fear. So I get that, that sort of aspect to it. There are plenty of stupid people who believe all kinds of ridiculous things. I mean, hi, Q. Yeah. Come the fuck yeah. on. Oh, and by the way, yeah. I love that he's anonymous and his information counts. But other anonymous sources? No. Right. How could you trust right. anything an anonymous person says? Yeah. God. It's just It's just all unbelievable. This is why I am going to just nail my front door shut and live in this house until I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's same I mean, it's here. It's tough in Texas, even though you're in Austin. If I can say that, even sure. though you're in Austin, it still must be tough to be in Texas. Every day is just yeah. a beautiful day of maybe I'll see a Trump <laughs> sticker. Maybe oh, I'll see God. a Trump sticker. I mean, thank God I don't see Trump cars and Trump stickers and Trump things in people's yards. But I know that in the rest of the country, it happens all the time. And I just, I just, I just, I feel so angry when I see those things. If you know, if I see them, like when I'm here in Arizona, it's just, it's just my blood pressure skyrockets. And I just, I just, I can't even think. I'm so angry. And I never had that reaction with other, and I hated Bush, hated yeah. Bush, right? I hated the war Bush was too. illegal. He's Both a war criminal, but yeah. Give me George Bush any day of the week. At least he yeah, yeah. abided by the right. rule of law. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Hard yeah. to believe we'd be wishing for Bush back. I, you know, am even going to say I've looked at some of his paintings and I see a naivete <laughs> and a charm that speaks to me. It's like Hitler painting. I think he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> um, so anyway, on that note, <laughs> on, let's talk about apologies. Yes, let's talk about so, the apology. The first apology that I have um, 
for this whole thing is in October 2011 when the U.S. Senate approved a resolution expressing the regret of the Senate for the passage of discriminatory laws against the Chinese in America, including the Chinese Exclusion Act. And that was sponsored by Dianne Feinstein, who is a notorious Democrat, and Scott Brown, who was a Republican from Massachusetts. Um, and the act um, said that... Um, the framework of anti-Chinese legislation is incompatible with the basic founding principles of equality recognized in the Declaration of Independence, and that the Senate regrets passing six decades of legislation targeting the Chinese people for physical and political exclusion, and reaffirms its commitment to preserving the same civil rights and constitutional protections for people of Chinese or other Asian descent in the United States accorded to all others. Which, to me, I mean, you can't just pass a resolution apologizing for Six decades of legislation. That's my feeling. I'm going to agree with you, right? And then I'm going to disagree with you. So, okay. And here's where, here's where, because it's government slash, here's where it gets political, right? And you get to mm -hmm. do two things at the same time uh, in sort of that politician doublespeak. So the apology itself, yeah, I mean, how do you apologize for that, right? Um, but the apology does serve this purpose. And one of the guys who drafted the resolution for the state of California, uh, who mm -hmm. is Paul Fong, um, mm -hmm. his grandfather was a victim of this, uh, this type of uh, anti-Chinese laws that were on the books. And testing, getting mm -hmm. my voice back. And in the end, what he said, which struck a chord with me, was, and I'll paraphrase for him because it'll help me make my point more clearly, mm -hmm. uh, which is, hey, we get these are just words on paper and kind of really don't mean anything since all this happened, you know, 60 years ago. But the fact that the culture is making this move then sets the culture up in the future to be better for other people. Uh, so the future can learn from our mistakes. We're acknowledging right now, hey, we're going to flag this, this, these laws, all of that. That was right, a mistake. Right. Don't do it in the future, kids. Right. So yeah. in terms of an apology, uh, accept it. Well, yes, because of the function it serves, which is to okay. be a uh, stick in the mud, a flag in the sand, what do you, a line in the sand? A line in the sand? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's just to really highlight that like, hey, this shitty stuff happened and now we're saying it was shitty and we're the same people that a hundred years ago would have said, this is great. So now we know it's bad. Don't do it. And so in well, that, that does light, mean something. I can see. Yeah, it's it's something, right? It's hope for the future. Um and and yeah, you know, it does get to that point of there are some I'm not things sure though 
that anyone has actually learned anything from that because um, Feinstein, when she passed this resolution, was was apologizing in part for Angel Island, which is um, outside of San Francisco or part of San Francisco, I guess, an island um, which opened in 1910 and was a way to keep the Chinese people from the city of San Francisco and the rest of Northern California. Um, the immigrants would come to Angel Island and they'd be separated from their family and um, subjected to what I think Wikipedia said were embarrassing medical examinations. I'm sure they were worse than embarrassing. Um, and interrogations and were detained for months or sometimes years. And we're doing that today with the um, with our uh, immigrants in ICE. And I don't, you know, did, did we really learn from the Chinese Exclusion Act with the Muslim ban? I don't know. Uh, I, think, I think reparations would have been a better way to go. And I know that there's a lot of Chinese people who would have to be um, financially repaid in some way and that would be very expensive but the way trump has been spending money lately i'm like dude you know you could totally give some money to the chinese people <laughs> it's, it's totally there and you know it doesn't have to be money either it could be something like how about free education sure right? yeah why yeah, not totally how about yeah. uh i don't know like i don't know but that's the thing that's always come back to but me there's there's always something, and so there's always ways to to um, to benefit people that the government is capable of doing, and is not doing. So I don't know. So I do not accept this apology. I guess we'll have to be divided on that one. Okay. Well, um, I think also since neither of us is Chinese, then it does get into this territory of <laughs> yeah. Who are Thank we? Thank you for bringing that up. Right. I mean, it's so true. It's like Terry said to you, um, who do you think you are to decide who, what apologies to accept? And absolutely, I meant to say something like that. Um, we are not in any way qualified to accept or not accept an apology on behalf of the people of China. Um, so uh, I guess I'm just speaking as an individual and trying to imagine how I might feel, um, although I can't imagine how I might feel. I'm doing my best, like I said, and I'm happy to hear from other people who have differing opinions. Uh, very much so. Um, I, this, is, this is our toe into the waters of racism, and mm -hmm. there are many apologies that have been made about government and or individuals who have done horrible things because of race. And we'll have plenty of opportunities to look at Apologies to the Irish. I mean, you know, is, is Irish a race? You tell me. Right. Oh, there's plenty of wrong we've done in the U.S. that we can apologize for and have apologized for. So um, there are other apologies to the Chinese for the Chinese Exclusion Act. There was one in 2012 with the U.S. House, which passed um, a resolution, um, quote, unquote, expressing the regret of the House for the Chinese Exclusion Act. So... Um, Unfortunately, that one also said, nothing in this resolution may be construed or relied on to authorize or support any claim, including but not limited to constitutionally based claims, claims for monetary compensation, or claims for equitable relief against the United States or any other party, or serve as a settlement of any claim against the United States. So that was like a non-apology. That was like an apology, but you can't hold me to it. Oh, that's totally, we're sorry, but you can't sue us. Right, right. We're sorry, but we, we won't admit that we really did this in the court of law. Right. And so. we recognize that if this did get to a court of law, we would lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're just going to tell you right but now. we won't say that. You can't, yeah. go, can't take us to court. You'll win. <laughs> and we don't want to have to pay you. 
Yeah, so um, I guess we both agree that that was a, um, an um, insufficient apology. Agreed. But I think the, the function the apology serves is, it, it tends to serve as noble. And so for that, I doff my hat. Okay, right. it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, there's that too. It is better than than nothing. It does get to this point of there are some things you just cannot apologize for. Right. That's true, and I think we're going to run into that on oh, sure. this podcast more than once. So um, you know, no matter how eloquent and well thought out an apology is, sometimes you just can't apologize for things that happened. Right. So um, I mean, but we're here to say when that's the case. <laughs> We will do this public service on behalf of the public, and we'll let you know which apologies are safe to accept and which ones yes. aren't. You should decline. Right. Okay, so speaking of accepting apologies, are there any apologies that oh you God. need to make or you'd like to... Yes. I totally need to make an apology. So, okay, so we'll talk about my kitchen now, finally. Okay. Um, let's talk about me. Um, my kitchen flooded. Uh, last weekend, and I've gone through hell trying to um, deal with it. So where it stands now is that all of the um, cabinets, not the cabinets, but the counters and the countertop and the um, the backsplash have been torn out completely, and the, um, the walls were treated for mold. There's no asbestos, thank God. Um, and I am, I've been trying to find somebody to come and put drywall in and um, put the counters in and countertops. And the reason that that's difficult is because I'm currently in a town of 3,000 people, which is a good 80 to 100 miles from a town of any size that has something like a McDonald's in it or a Home Depot or an Ikea. So there is absolutely nothing in this town. There is one hardware store, one grocery store, um, a Circle K, and that's about it, really. So... Um, it's very difficult. It has been very expensive getting contractors. They, they will come down from Tucson, which is two and a half hours away, um, for a fee of like $500 just to walk through the door. So that's I've been paying through the nose for the work that's been done before. Um, but good news is I found a contractor in the local newspaper who um, came out last night. I don't know if I told you this. Did I tell you she no. came out last night? She came out last night and she looked at my uh, stuff and she was horrified at how much I had been spending on, you know, getting the stuff to the point where it is. Um, and then uh, right before she came, the, the, the kitchen leaked again. And I was, uh, I, was, I was beside myself because I thought that we had dealt with this leak and everything was fine and it was just going to be a matter, well, not just, but it was going to be a matter of getting everything repaired, which was enough of a problem without trying to find a mystery leak. So anyway, so thank God for her. She came out and I told her, I showed her the leak and it was just a puddle on the floor and you couldn't tell where it was coming from. And I said, oh, you know, what's interesting is that an hour or so ago, um, right before this leak happened, I ran the washing machine. And, sh and I thought, you know, how could that have anything to do with it? The washing machine is, sure, it's six feet from the kitchen um, kitchen sink, basically, but it's in another room, and I don't know if the pipes are the same or anything. And she said very smartly, let's run the washing machine and see what happens. So we ran the washing machine twice, and the water came back up from the ground up out the pipe. 
um, and onto the floor. So that's where that leak came from. It was a separate leak. The first leak was a leak from the faucet being improperly installed. I replaced the faucet because it was leaking, and the new faucet that got put in was improperly installed, so it was just leaking like crazy while I was sleeping that night. So that's where the first puddle came from. The second puddle came from the washing machine backing back up into the pipes. So, um, and that's partly because normally it would back up, but it wouldn't it wouldn't come out the pipe because the pipe wouldn't be open. Right now, the, it's an open pipe because the sink was removed, so the sink would have been there. So um, gravity is now acting on the pipe in such a way that it comes out the pipe as opposed to it would have come partially up the pipe and, and not gone anywhere. So I'm sorry, this is boring, but that's what No, that's it's what not boring. Is. It's fascinating <laughs> to me because I'm So old. now I've got a... Yeah, I know, right? So now I've got a bucket um, by the by the plumbing to catch any leaks, but I'm not washing anything a- anymore, for God's sake. Um, and she said she'll build custom cabinets for me, which it sounds to me like she's going to be uh, inexpensive because she was horrified by how much I'd already spent. Um, and she showed me some pictures of custom cabinetry she'd done before, and it was beautiful. It was so nice. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so I should ask her for a picture, and I'll send it to you so you can see it. But um, she's gonna she'll build she's gonna quote me to build cabinetry um, and she'll do everything she said she's backed up for a year right now but she can fit me in like in between jobs so um, she probably won't be able to get to it for a month but it should be okay um, it, there won't be any any reason to um, worry about the kitchen and being in the state that it's currently in because there won't be anybody here like I'll be leaving pretty soon so. Um, that should be fine, and then she'll come. I'll give her the key. So the apology that I owe is that um, we were talking about this last night when she was here, and I said, um, well, you know, I won't be here, but I can just give you the key. And then I said, there's nothing in the house. And she sort of huffed, and she said, well, I'm bonded. You know, like I had accused her of wanting to steal from me because I said there was nothing in the house. And it didn't even occur to me that I was implying that she or her workers would be stealing from me. I said, you know, I didn't mean it that way. It's just it's difficult to give your keys to a stranger. Yeah, hello. A hundred so A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's hard to give. So I thought you were going to go in this weird, different direction where you might say something no. like, oh, there's nothing in the house for you to steal. And then she was going to say, I live in my car. Oh, my God. Right? We're like, you have all this stuff. You don't even think of it as being important. Or, oh, and, no, God. And See, no. There's, there's no way that, I mean, what I said was stupid, just just plain old stupid, but I don't think, I think it was understandable. I, I do apologize for saying it, but, but there you go. So I'm going to say that that plays two different ways. In a city, you would have been understood as, oh, yeah. you're giving me the key to your house. That's a big mm-hmm. deal, right? And mm-hmm. then in a small town where everybody knows everybody, yeah, I could see where mm-hmm. maybe that's an insult. Yeah. But yeah. And she lives, oh my God, she lives one street over. So it's like she's directly, she's practically my next door neighbor. I can see her house from my front door. So so it's like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm a little uncomfortable now because if I don't give her this job, I'll probably run into her every five minutes when I'm here and it'll be weird. Um, I, I did call another, there's another contract, there's two contractors in this town. I can't fucking believe it. But there's another one I found in the paper and I called them and I'm going to have them come out if they call me back and, 
and give me an estimate too. So if I don't use her, um, I, I don't know if I cannot use her because this is such a small town and she lives practically next door. So we'll see what the estimate is. What are the odds that you would start <laughs> a war between two contractors in the same small town? <laughs> You're going to divide the town. That's right. You know what, though? It's funny. Everybody knows what's going on in this town. Because she said when she came over, she said, oh, I saw the utility truck outside your door this morning, and I wondered what they were doing here. And it's like when I was um, walking my dog one day, this guy came out from his yard and said, oh, you're the Greyhound lady. And it's like everyone knows that I'm the Greyhound lady in this town. Dang. <laughs> it's so not San Francisco. So who do you owe an apology to? I owe an apology to, I asked the question, I, do I have anybody? Let me think. Um, who do I owe an apology to? Well, I haven't misspoken this week, it's a lie. Um, who do I owe an apology to? Oh, God. Yeah, of course I do. Um, so I owe an apology to my husband for making him give up his puppy. So I am sorry that you adopted a pit bull puppy and that I'm afraid of pit bulls. That, that was, that's on me. And I'm sorry for it. Yeah, so the um, the puppy went back to the foster family. The puppy went back to the home where she was born, and her mom is still there. Uh, and the puppy forgot yeah. all about me when she saw her original foster mother. So I felt good about, <laughs> about the return. And I was also very good. clear with the agency that... You know, if you don't have another home lined up, if I'm putting this puppy back into like the puppy welfare system, I don't want to do that. You know, I'll spend the next 16 years of my right. life waiting for this dog to Terrified. turn and maul me. <laughs> right? And uh, it all went very well. They had no issue. I did meet with my vet. Well, I didn't meet with the vet. I, I emailed the vet some photos of the dog and then some photos of the litter. And said, mm -hmm. I think this dog is a pit bull because it's very clearly it's a, pit a pit bull. And she sent me an email 100%. back and said, oh, well, in the litter, I see some pit bull puppies and I see some Labrador puppies and I see some terrier mixed puppies. <laughs> and so, yeah. And that got me thinking, like, I minored in biology, right? Mm -hmm. So... I've sat through a genetics course, for sure, mm -hmm. or at least a, a section. And so did you know, maybe I told you this over text, but did you know that a litter can have multiple different fathers? I think I did know that. I did not know that. And so <laughs> we were... So you got a pit bull oh. out of all of the other ones. Uh, and... And she was the cutest thing, and she was so sweet, and she did nothing wrong, and she was so smart. Yeah. And we were getting really good with potty training. I mean, she was here for two days, but, you know, within right. those two days, uh, she was like a champion at housebreaking. She was going outside every time we went outside, 
And I mean, yeah, in the house a lot, but she's a puppy. So fine and just adorable. And I loved her, but I couldn't. And sometimes you just have to admit defeat. And so uh, yeah. was heartbroken, but understood that it was going to come down to choosing between me and the dog. <laughs> and the dog was winning. Um, <laughs> but then he developed an allergic reaction. And so that helped make it an easier thing. But yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry about that that puppy. I, I actually am. Um, yeah. Yeah. And maybe this week nobody owes me an apology. Good. Yeah. I don't know if anyone owes me an apology. I don't think so. I haven't seen anybody really. So no. It's hard to collect apologies when you're inside all the time. Right. I mean, Every week it'll be, I owe Brent an apology. I owe <laughs> an apology. It's what it's going to be. <laughs> well, I will say that Netflix owes me an apology because there is nothing worth watching anymore. I've seen no. it all. And yes. I am at the total end of using any form of visual media to entertain myself. What? I know. What did I say? And I said it. So basically, <laughs> I've watched television until like my eyes have bled. I don't think I can watch any more TV. Oh my God, really? Is anything good? No. I mean... Okay. <laughs> uh, no. There's just, there's... All right. I, I, I told you I was going to watch all the Hallmark all the Hallmark movies that are coming out just to change my attitude and my outlook on life. But um, we'll see. We'll see if I really do that. You know, I'm not going to. I don't have time for that shit. But I'm going to say this. I, I will say this. There is there's a special feeling that comes over me when I watch a Hallmark movie and I can mm -hmm. only watch one mm -hmm. maybe every couple of months, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I am ashamed. It's like why would you be ashamed? Because they're so smarmy and they're so cheesy. But that's that's what they're supposed to be. That's the whole point, right? But I get caught up in them. And so, they even have gay ones now. <laughs> oh God, I, that I can't. I live that. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> You've got your own Hallmark romance. I've got totally. <laughs> No, I'm I'm uh, fine on that front. Have you seen Shit's Creek? I'm sure you have. I saw some of it, but I, I just couldn't. I don't know. I just couldn't. Okay, okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you it was great because every time someone tells me that something was great, that I watch it and then I'm like, eh, it's really good. It's not great. I don't like it. And then I quit. Yeah. 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 You'll hate it. It's terrible. I haven't terrible. seen anything really good in a while. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't even try there anymore. There was something I'll on Hulu that I, I think it was Hulu. I'm sorry? I was just saying I'll go and look and see what's on like Hulu or Netflix or whatever, but I never really see anything. I did watch a movie. Okay, so there's this movie and I learned about it from um, this podcast called, oh, oh my God, what is it called? Okay, there's going to be silence here while I think. Um, Linoleum okay. Knife, which you should listen to. Actually, I think you'd like it. Um but anyway, it's these two guys who are married who live in L.A. who are both film critics. And they told me personally about this. Um, um, uh, shit. It's gone. This show? Okay, I'm 53. Yeah, the show. Um, what was it? 
oh no, this movie on Shudder, you know, Shudder, the um, yes. horror movie thing. So it was on Shudder, I think, and it was called The Host. Yes, and it's I've about, seen it. You've seen it? It's surprisingly good. It was surprisingly good. That's the one that's the Zoom call. Yes. Right? Yes. Total Blair Witch ripoff, right? Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah, where they're using modern technology and uh, in a way. But I thought it was really well done. I enjoyed it. And yeah. I hate scary movies. Really? Oh, my God. I it, hate it scary commercials. It wasn't that scary. But it was suspenseful, I thought. So and there was no like real gore or anything like that, which turns me off. So I think it was it was um, it did what it set out to do, which I thought was good. And you should also watch Unfriended if you haven't seen it. That's like an earlier an earlier one of that sort of thing. But it was really good. It was also surprisingly good. So, See, I can um, watch movies where friends get killed off one by one. Yeah. For some reason, that doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother you. I, yeah, it's preparation. That's how you feel about your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, totally it's practice um, no I, yeah no I, I like horror movies i'm a super big chicken i can't like i i can go to the level of the shining or the sixth sense right um but i can't do the slashers with the exception of maybe nightmare on elm street part one and only and then that's good yeah Halloween part one and only mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I can watch those and there's just something about the way that they are set up where it feels like yeah there's gonna be blood and it's scary but it's a movie and then the other ones trigger me in a way that the first yeah. two don't and I don't know really? why did you see the Babadook I have not you know it's good I think you might like it you should try it I, okay, I might because we're Halloween and you know October is kind of Come my up. exception for oh scary movies and then like a lot of people I will watch a scary movie because that's the season that we do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, but ordinarily, I mean, given my choice between Shutter TV and the Hallmark, it'd be Hallmark twenty four seven. That's funny. It is sad All but right, true. Well, shall we end the podcast? Yes. We, um, so and um, then thank how? you for listening to our podcast, the uh, Apologies Accepted podcast. And we'll see you next week. With more apologies. Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.